Hey, it's Sarah Wahab, wedding floral designer, floral and business educator, and entrepreneur. I started my floral business a decade ago, wanting to make a living doing something I love. Now I run an online business that helps other floral entrepreneurs grow their businesses and build towards their dream careers. I know sometimes you just need some support, whether it's figuring out how to grow your audience or learning new systems to help you free up time and reduce stress. I'm all about problem solving, tackling challenges, and bringing you real strategies and tools you can use to better your business. But let's not forget, there's more to life than being a CEO. I believe you can build and scale a successful brand all while freeing up more time to do the things you love. Speaking of things I love, is it wine time yet? Let's get started. Do you struggle with overspending on your weddings and notice that it's eating away all of your profit? Trust me, I have been there. We are artists after all, and we love creating. I know that sometimes budgets and numbers just feel like they're hindering you from your creativity and standing in the way of being able to fully express yourself. What if I told you that it was actually the opposite? and that it was ignoring those numbers that's actually hindering you from being able to fully express yourself. This was a truth that I was definitely blind to for a very long time. When I started my business, I was so excited to start creating for people who wanted to hire me, and I was pouring my heart and soul into every single design. And a lot of the time, that meant sparing no expense at the flower market. Of course, I'd try to stay on budget, But most of the time, I was letting my passion win me over and letting my budget go out the window. I told myself this was helping me build my brand and attract my ideal clients. But I realize now, looking back, this was actually just holding me back and keeping me stuck in the same place. I now recognize that in my first few years of business, I was giving a little too much away to my clients and frankly, spending way too much on flowers. In those early years, I was so focused on getting my name out there and getting as much experience as possible that I would take every opportunity that came my way, even if it was to provide free work in exchange for the promise of exposure for my business. I was overspending on all of my weddings, thinking that it would help enhance my portfolio, but half the time I would never even receive the professional photos or I would receive the photos and the photographer's editing style didn't align with my brand. I would show up to a wedding and realize the thoughtfulness and the intentionality of the overall design just wasn't there. And the rest of the design didn't really do my flowers justice. Sometimes my clients would really appreciate the extra work and thought I'd put in, but that part was hit or miss. Other times I would walk away feeling like I had given my 100% and more, and it just went unnoticed. At the end of the day, I was still getting inquiries with budgets that limited my creativity and clients who didn't really understand my value. It was over the course of many years and a great deal of trial and error that I eventually got smart about my spending and how I was approaching each wedding so that I wasn't walking away from each job feeling like I wasn't fully getting the return on my investment. 
There were a few strategies that I eventually began implementing that really made a difference in not only being able to see more profit at the end of the day, but also seeing that profit lead to huge leaps forward in my business. And those are the exact strategies that I want to share with you today. Number one, I shifted my focus away from my own taste and artistic urges and started paying close attention to the client's values so that I could better align my decisions like STEM selections with their value system. The ideal way to remain profitable is to deliver a product that aligns with the client's value system. If they have budgeted $800 or $2,000 for their wedding flowers, that says a lot about the value that they place on flowers. So it wouldn't make much sense to deliver them a premium product when what they're clearly seeking is quantity over quality. Some brides that reach out to me reach out because they're captivated by the particular flower varieties that they see used in my work, and others are just seeking more of an overall look and feel. There are plenty of indicators of where a potential client places their value in the words that they use and the inspiration imagery that they send. If I look at a client's Pinterest board and see that all of their inspiration photos include novelty tulips and ranunculus arranged in an airy and delicate style, or I see a lot of up-close detail shots with premium curated goods, this shows that they really appreciate fine details and can recognize premium flower varieties. If I look at their Pinterest board and see more zoomed out images of an overall gardeny look with large scale installations and there's no clear connection between the flowers used in the different photos, then this tells me that they're simply looking for romance. The smart business move is to be able to look for those distinctions and to deliver a product that appropriately reflects what the client values as well as what they have to spend. And as the business owner, you have the insight to be able to make appropriate choices on your client's behalf of what materials you use to create their designs. If I price everything out and the provided budget doesn't cover everything they're asking for, for me, the way I decide to approach this is usually dependent upon the values of that specific client. For example, if I'm working with a client that I can see really values the fine details, I'll say, I can see that you have very refined taste. And I can assure you that these flowers are well worth their weight in gold. And I'm confident we can deliver this premium look that you're aiming for, but the pricing is going to be a bit above baseline due to the higher cost of these very special blooms. From there, I might offer a few suggestions for items that I would eliminate first if I were going to trim down the order and free up that extra money for these high-end flowers. On the other hand, if I'm over budget on a proposal and I'm creating this proposal for a bride who's maybe a bit less discerning and more so just looking for an overall look, I might double check my stem choices in my recipes and make sure I'm being smart with my selections. Does a 12 foot by 12 foot arch need to have garden roses and peonies? Probably not. Since this is a piece that is generally seen from a distance, if the budget is a bit restricting, a better use of those high-end flowers would be in smaller detail pieces that will be viewed up close. Maybe one or two peony stems in the welcome arrangement or in the bouquets would be money better spent. On that note, if a bride loves Belle of Hawk tulips, which cost $3 a stem, 
It doesn't mean they need to be used all over the place. In fact, when it comes to premium stems, I think sometimes less is more. A bell of hawk tulip is much better showcased on its own in a bud vase than shoved into a lush arrangement where it may just get lost. These are the types of things it would be wise to think about when crafting your flower orders to see if you can make the budget work without having to overspend to achieve the same high-end look. These are also things you can explain to your client to help educate them while also establishing their trust and their confidence in you as a designer. Number two, I started collecting more detailed information from each client, like which other vendors I would be working with to identify which weddings would be portfolio builders ahead of time. Looking back, I can't believe how many weddings I did just pouring all this effort in without even knowing who was on my vendor team ahead of time. I would just pour in all this value thinking, I'll just get these great photos and well, I hope they shoot this, only to find that the bride had hired a friend as their photographer or the photos just weren't what I was expecting or I never even got my hands on the photos at all. And it turned out all the extra love I put into that event was all for nothing. And I eventually got smarter and realized that there was a simple fix to this problem. All I needed to do was find out a bit more about the vendors I would be working with before the wedding and before even designing the proposal. I now have additional questions in my questionnaire asking who the hired planner and photographer are for the wedding. So that way I can research those vendors get to know them, form a connection, and most importantly, get an idea of what I can expect on the wedding day. My main priority and what I'm being hired for is to deliver florals that are in line with the client's vision. Things like receiving a gallery from my portfolio and forming a planner connection, those things are a bonus, but they're not a guarantee. What I realized I was doing before was I was making a lot of my decisions assuming that these things were just part of the deal. It caused me to make unwise money decisions, but it also got in the way of me serving my client in the best way possible. By having this information before I begin the design proposal, I can make better informed decisions on whether my focus should be strictly on profitability or if it would be wise for me to try and do some upselling then if the upselling is unsuccessful, it's at that time that I can then decide if taking a slight profit hit would be worth it because I have a better idea of the results that I can expect. If I determine that this particular wedding could be a potential portfolio piece for me, then those few extra bunches to embellish here and there on the actual wedding day could be money well spent. However, if you're going to spend more than the budget allows, there's a better way to do that without having your client be in the dark on the extra value that you're putting in. If you just overspend at the market, that comes out of your profit. So if you're going to lose profit, you might as well be transparent about it so that the client knows that they're getting a deal. And this way, you're also not misrepresenting your designs in the pricing. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. Quoting a client an arch at $1,000 and giving them a $2,000 arch doesn't do justice to your value, and it gives the client a misguided understanding of what things are worth. However, by quoting them $2,000 and offering them 50% off of the arch, at least this way they understand the value that they're getting versus what they're paying, and you avoid misrepresenting your value. 
There's nothing wrong with being transparent with your client and saying, I'm trying to establish my portfolio and I really love the design direction of your wedding. I would love to offer you a gift or a discount because I think that this will really help my business and I want to make this really special for you. Your first objective should always be to try and upsell your client if you can through your sales pitch, which is a whole separate topic and I promise you we'll get to that in a future episode, but In cases where you're working with a client whose budget is tight and you want to leverage that wedding to your advantage, this can be another way to do that. Offering a discount is not against the rules. It's a strategy that's used in every trade. But offering a discount is much different than undercharging for your worth and for what's being delivered. So make sure that your pricing is clear and that your client knows the value of your work, whether you decide to collect your full profit or not. The main takeaway with this strategy is that by learning a bit more of the details about the wedding, specifically about your vendor team and being able to do some research ahead of time, can help you to avoid pouring too many resources into a job that isn't going to give you the return on your investment that you might have anticipated. The same strategy goes for styled shoots. If someone is asking you to participate in a styled shoot or asking you for free services for a marketing opportunity, make sure you gather all the necessary information and make sure you ask what exactly you're going to get in return for your efforts. Who else is a part of the event? Will those people be present at the event? What is the exposure that you will receive? Will you have your name shouted out in a dedicated post? Or will you simply have your business name in fine print on the event program? If it's an editorial, have they pre-submitted to any publications? If so, which ones? If not, do they plan to submit? Do some digging on that person's profile and see if they have a history of being featured in publications in the past. Do they plan to rent furniture, hire a professional model, and rent a real gown? Is that photographer getting paid for this job? Is it possible there could be room in the budget for florals? It took me years to realize that it was okay for me to ask for compensation for collaborations. I would always just assume they wanted the flowers for free, so I wouldn't even bother to ask if they could at least cover my hard costs. I had situations where I'd show up to a styled shoot with all my beautiful free florals and realize that the photographer was hosting a workshop and was collecting an income from each of the attendees, and I wasn't being compensated. I've had shoots where I'd show up expecting styled rented furniture and a curated tabletop based on the inspiration board, and it turned out to be kind of thrown together with sort of mismatched items they clearly had already lying around with not much artistic thought put into it, at least to my taste. That was a huge disappointment, and I learned my lesson that it's always good to know ahead of time what you should expect, especially when you're donating your materials and your time, which is so valuable. Number three, I prioritized getting my markup and pricing sorted out and built in a buffer to mitigate overspending tendencies. Once I started examining each wedding opportunity more strategically, I was able to prioritize much more wisely. Once I had identified the weddings that weren't really going to serve my portfolio or offer any additional value and networking opportunities, my main motivator for these weddings became my profit margin. 
This allowed me to detach myself from my artistic tendencies and get comfortable with getting more frugal with my spending. There were a few strategies I adopted to help me stay on budget when building my proposals, including helping the clients to prioritize their needs from their wants and making suggestions for the greatest impact, as well as being smart with my recipes and flower selections according to the client's values, as I mentioned in step one. But even when we have our pricing dialed in on the back end, there's always going to be those times when we're at the market and see that extra special something like that spirea or those Japanese ranunculus that we just have to have. Trust me, it happens to the best of us. If you know you have the tendency to overbuy at the wholesaler, my suggestion would be to build in buffers into your pricing structure, leaving some money aside for you to shop when you get to the market. Being really strict with my recipes in the ordering stage and leaving a few dollars left over in my budget has helped me to make sure that even when I spend a few extra dollars at the market, it's not pushing me over my overall flower budget. So let's say my available budget for the arch is $500 when I'm building my recipes for my flower order. I'll try and keep the pre-order total for my arch to $400 or $450. Then I'll have some money left over to shop for those extra special items. If there's a bunch of tulips that you just have to have, instead of throwing 20 bunches on the cart, consider just buying one bunch and putting it in the welcome piece or another arrangement that will be highly showcased. And make sure the event photographer knows to grab a shot of that extra special flower moment. Number four. I began prioritizing profitability and using that profit to reinvest in my own creative shoots to optimize my portfolio for marketing. Focusing on profitability is not always fun. In the beginning, it can be really challenging to get in the mindset of making profit our main focus, especially because it can feel limiting to our creativity in a time when we're trying to build up our portfolio. Trust me, I get it. Over time, I've learned that detaching myself from the urge to go wild with creativity and focusing in on profit became easier when my business became my main priority. If you're finding this difficult in the beginning, maybe that's because you're focusing a bit too much on the art, which is understandable. I mean, for many of us, that's a huge part of the reason we decided to start our business. We have to stay focused on the end goal and we have to adjust our priorities. I finally feel like I have my priorities straight now, but it took me a very long time to get there. And it's in those early days that I wish I had been a little more strategic with where I invested my resources. Looking back, I can now see that if I had prioritized profit first and been patient, I would have had plenty of money left over to use in marketing my business on my own terms without being restricted to following the client's vision. I wish I had had the skill and the wisdom then to realize that while I thought I was investing in marketing myself, I really was just spinning my wheels a lot of the time. After I became smart about my profits, I was able to invest in several of my own styled shoots where I was able to network with vendors that I really wanted to work with and have complete freedom with what I wanted to design and the flowers I wanted to use. And this was when everything really started to change. Once I had the funds to fully express my brand, I started attracting my ideal clients and was able to charge more because I had this amazing portfolio of designs that were created under no restraints. 
Instead of trying to work with my clients' designs on limited budgets and taking on meaningless collaborations that were serving another brand's goals and disregarding my time and value completely. So if I could go back and do one thing differently, it would be to prioritize profit from the beginning and to be patient so that I could really invest in my brand with my own artistic purpose and vision and collaborate and start networking with the people who were going to help push my brand forward and who would actually send me business. I'd love to talk more about my experience with styled shoots and how they helped me transform and elevate my brand, but that too will have to wait for another episode. For today, the main thing I want you to take away from this is that being profitable, no matter how boring and unexciting it may seem in the beginning, is the key to being able to fully express your creativity, even if it might just take a little bit of patience. It's what will drive your business forward to a place where you can be more intentional with your investments, to scale your business, market yourself in a quality way, and really start to attract your ideal clients. Getting there just takes a bit of a mindset shift, and these were the few strategies that worked for me, and I know they can help you too. First, I shifted my focus away from my own tastes and artistic urges and started paying close attention to the client's values so that I could better align my STEM selections and be smarter with my recipes. I started collecting more detailed information from each client, like which other vendors I would be working with, to identify which weddings would be portfolio builders ahead of time. I prioritized getting my markup and pricing sorted and built in a buffer to mitigate overspending tendencies. And finally, I began prioritizing profitability and using that profit to reinvest in my own creative shoots to optimize my portfolio for marketing. Profit has to come first. Then you can focus on marketing and full artistic expression. For the first several years of my business, I was doing it all backwards and I didn't realize how much it was holding me back and actually hindering my growth and my ability to reach my full potential. But once I was able to slowly adjust my process to be more strategic with how I approached each wedding, that was when I saw things really start to change for my business. All the frustration and the financial stress of trying to make budgets work finally fell away once I was able to build myself up to a place where my clients now know my value, they come to me ready to pay my minimum, the planners and vendor relationships I've built send me business that aligns with my brand, and I'm able to truly create my best work. Of course, there are always times that we are faced with the challenge of making dreams happen on a budget, but all of that work becomes so much easier and comes more naturally once you get into the habit of shifting your focus to profitability. When you allow your business and your bottom line to become your main priority, that's when you can begin categorizing, prioritizing, and strategizing to make each wedding work for you. I hope today is the day that you start really thinking about the future of your business. When you notice yourself getting distracted by your own vision and creative instincts, think about all of the amazing work you'll be able to do once you're able to really reach that next threshold in your business where you can actually reach your ideal clients and they will be coming running for that amazing work that you do. Keep your focus on serving your clients well and being smart and strategic with making the most of the budget you have in front of you. 
And remember that profit is what's really going to drive your business forward at the end of the day. I know there's so much more success waiting for you, friend. Let's cheers to that. Thanks for listening to this episode of my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please give a shout out to me on Instagram and tag my Instagram handle, Mulberry and Moss, or use the hashtag Coffee Wine Flowers Podcast. If you'd like more resources to grow your business, head to my resource library at mulberryandmoss.com slash shop. For all of the show notes from this episode and more podcast episodes, visit mulberryandmoss.com slash podcast. Now, depending on what time it is, go and get yourself a coffee or a glass of wine. You deserve it.